we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to bet it's a story that has never been preached a few days before Christmas, at least it hasn't that I've seen in my lifetime. And the idea is, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to look at this encounter, which is an unusual encounter with Jesus from the Gospel of John. It's only recorded there. Um, we're going to ask and answer the question, what does this say about God's character? And then what are the implications for you and for me? What does that mean? Now, a little bit of history. I always think it's when we think about Christmas and what's going on, um, when we think about the person of Jesus Christ, what, what are some facts that we? I think it's good for us to emphasize? The first thing is there is no dispute in the world that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. Sometimes you'll hear people uh, say, well, you know, he was a good teacher. What? Okay, that's a debate. We can have that debate. But, but there is literally zero debate that Jesus was here and walked the earth. Number two, Jesus had dark skin. He was of Middle Eastern descent, a, a, a most likely a dark-skinned Jew. So he was not white like, like I am. And, and so a lot of people think of it as kind of a, a Western European religion. That's not true. Jesus had dark skin. He didn't look like me. Another thing, and in this culture in our world, this is helpful to point out, Jesus Christ did more to elevate the status of women at that point in history than every, anyone else has ever done. And so I think it's important as we look at the person and the facts surrounding him that we understand those things as we begin. We're going to look at John chapter 8 with a woman who's been caught uh, in a terrible situation. As I begin this, think about this with me for a second. Imagine if the worst thing you've ever done or the worst situation you've ever gotten yourself into was to be played on the screen here for everybody at First Church right now. No one of us would want that to happen. But this situation that we see is what's happening to this woman. And, and what I want to highlight as we go through it is Jesus' response, what it shows about who he is, and what it means for us. It says, this is from John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Most of you watching this know what adultery means. If you don't, yeah, you can ask your parents when we're done, and they can let them clarify. It says, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So let me explain what's going on. It's early in the morning, the temple courts. The temple courts are a huge public place. I've, I had the privilege of going to, to Israel, and I've seen where they were. It's massive. 
It was a marketplace. Now, it's early in the morning, so probably not everything is, is full go. But it's not like this private thing. It's public in front of who knows how many people. And they brought this woman out, and she's been caught in the act of adultery. So she's probably disheveled, certainly embarrassed and humiliated. Uh, and she, I'm sure she's, you know, at the very least, tears, tears are coming down humiliating, dragged out there, and, and all she is is bait in a trap to catch Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't like him. And, and um, in Matthew 7, it talks about people being amazed at Jesus. And the thing about all the miracles he did, all the things, it doesn't say that. It says they were amazed because Jesus taught as one who had authority. And so Jesus' authority was a threat to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They didn't like him at all. It's interesting when we talk about the person of Jesus Christ that the people that really rejected him at the time were religious people. A lot of them well-meaning, like you and I, wanting to do the right thing, but they rejected him. And they've concocted this trap to catch Jesus, and all this woman is is bait. Now, let me explain the trap. They say. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So the trap works like this. Uh, the Jews were occupied by the Romans, and no Jew could uh, have anybody executed. They didn't have the authority to have uh, people executed. That's why when Jesus went to be crucified, the high priest had to take him to Pontius Pilate. So the first part of the trap is they want Jesus to break the Roman law. If they say, hey, Moses says we should stone her, and Jesus says, yeah, have at it, then he breaks the Roman law, and they can run to the Romans and say, Jesus just had somebody executed. You should arrest him. Well, the other side of the trap is Jesus is Jewish, and when they say to him, Moses commanded us to stone such women, now what do you say is they are hoping that Jesus will say something contradictory to the law of Moses. So they can, they can go to all the, the religious leaders and to everybody who is Jewish in there and say, hey, he doesn't even believe in the law of Moses. You can't follow this guy. So that's the trap. And they've crafted it, and we know it was a trap because it says so, and because where was the man? If it was adultery, you know, where, where was the guy? So that's the situation. The woman's there. She's dragged out in front of everybody, caught at her worst moment, one of her worst moments, and it's just a snare to catch Jesus. And they tried to do this a lot. I cannot imagine how frustrating it would be to try to trick the creator of the universe. You know, and they, they would do these things over and over, but that's what's going on. So here's what Jesus responds with, and I think this is fascinating. It says, let me get down here. It says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, it doesn't say what he wrote. Nobody knows. But he gets down and he starts writing on the ground with his finger. And when he does that for a minute, every eye that is glaring at this woman, people that are 
saying whatever they're saying. Like all of a sudden, everyone's looking at Jesus. Just like you at home are looking at me now. Everybody's looking to see what he's doing. I'll make it easy on the camera, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. It says, he bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, Jesus straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at him. They put Jesus in when they, what they think is an impossible situation, and he gives the absolutely perfect answer. And it says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, when he says, any one of you is without sin can throw the first stone, people might have stones ready. You know, this is, this is what they would do. They would stone a woman caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus says this, and it says, people you know, began to go away, the older ones first, because the older ones knew that they weren't without sin. The older you get in your life in Christ, you're more aware of your sin. You're more aware of how far you fall short. And so I can imagine Jesus saying to this crowd, let the one who's without sin cast the first stone. And the woman, closing her eyes and bracing herself, for what might be coming. And then, instead of being hit by stones, she hears the murmur of a crowd, footsteps in the sand, rocks dropping to the ground, and she opens up her eyes and everybody's gone. Again, she was guilty. There's no debate about that. No mistake about that. She was guilty. Jesus straightened up and asked, the, the, and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, Jesus doesn't say don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. But he doesn't condemn her, and he's not angry. In her worst moment, he met her with compassion and even protection. That's the kind of Savior we have that we're going to celebrate his birth in a few days. So, why does this, like, like, so what does this tell us about God's character? And I think this is the big question. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago. This verse, Matthew 11, 28 and 29 where they're having a, Jesus is, is talking, uh, and he, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We all know that. We all feel tired a lot of the time, so we hear that and think, oh, yeah, I need that. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and, and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, gentle and lowly um, are not words people today would want to use to describe themselves. 
My son just finished a bunch of college applications, and the words gentle and lowly weren't anywhere in there as far as his character. You know, it's like work ethic, leadership, you know, integrity. It's not gentle and lowly. But Jesus says this, and I, and I want you to catch this, this word that's really important with it. He doesn't say, for I am gentle and lowly. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So if you had a website about Jesus, Jesus put up his own website, and it said about me that you could click on it, it would say, my heart is gentle and lowly. He tells us what his heart's like. Now, what does gentle and lowly mean? It doesn't mean mushy or weak. Earlier in this passage, Matthew 11, he curses a place called Chorazin. Well, when I went to the Middle East a couple years ago, we went to Chorazin. Guess what's there? Nothing. It's rocks. And we went there, and the guy took us. He goes, this is the place Jesus cursed. You know, and you're like, wow, like it works. I mean, he's not weak. He's not weak. That's not what it means. Here's what it means. Gentle means Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated. Jesus Christ is the most understanding person in the world. When you come to him with sin, he doesn't, he's not, he's not angered by it. Um, it's important that he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He, if you come to him, his response, his heart for you is gentle and lowly. If you don't, it's Chorazin. So if you've been following Jesus for a long time, or even for a short time, you're, you, you've recognized now probably that behavioral victory is not going to happen this side of heaven. We're not gonna, that's not our reality. That's, that's not an option. We want to get better, but we're just not going to be there. And sometimes I think Jesus is frustrated or angry with me, or, and I think this would be the worst one, disappointed. You know, he's kind of, you, know, you show up and he's like, I'm really gracious, so I'm going to let you, yeah, you can come, but I wish you, wish you were doing better. That's not, that's not his heart. That's not how he is. Gentle, not trigger happy, welcoming, all those things. Lowly means this. Lowly means, and this is where we see the beauty of an infant being born and, and being laid in a manger, which is a food, uh, which is a way that you would feed livestock. Lowly means accessible. Anybody can come to Jesus Christ. Anybody. When, when, what Jesus is for everybody, that, that line from O Holy Night. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, long lay the world in sin. And it's for everybody. It doesn't matter where, where you live, how much money you have, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how, how bad you feel like you've blown it. Anybody can come to him. He is totally accessible. And, and that, you know, he comes to earth to demonstrate that. It pleases Jesus to welcome and comfort sinners. It's who he is. It's what he wants to do. 
his heart is that way. He never gets bored with that. He loves it. Now, what are some of the implications for you and for me? We'll do this and kind of use this to wrap up. Number one, Jesus is fulfilled. He is pleased. He gets to be who he is when sinners come to him. He loves it. He loves it. Think of it this way. If you're a missionary doctor, you go to a country that that requires a certain medicine that only you can provide. And if you go to the people, um, they're sick. And you know that you have this, this medicine that will help them. Well, a lot of them won't want to come to you. They won't trust you. They'll be afraid. Well, how, how do I know this is going to help me? How do I know this is going to you know, cure me or, or fix what's wrong with me? As that doctor, you're not mad when somebody doesn't come to see you the first day or the second day. You're just glad that they came to you on the third day. And it pleases you to give them the medicine that will heal their body. That's Jesus' attitude with wanting to, to enter into and forgive our sin. He's not frustrated. The doctor isn't mad that the people are sick. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. He can enter into it without anger or frustration or exasperation. So that's number one. He's fulfilled. Com- comforting sinners, welcoming, welcoming them in is what, metaphorically speaking, it's what gets Jesus up in the morning. It's what he's excited to do. Number two. When we come to Jesus, he responds with welcoming open arms and not an accusing finger. You and I have to let go of the images we have of God and that we hold stuff against ourselves um, and that we try to work this, this phrase all you who labor and are heavy laden, a lot of us are trying to work to gain God's love and to, and work to gain his approval. You can't. You, and, and, and best of all, you don't have to. He, he welcomes you with loving arms, not an accusing finger. Now, he also says his yoke is easy. Now, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean once you come to faith in Christ, it all gets, it's just simple and everyone celebrates all the time that, you know, there's no problems. That's not true. But it means he has the ability to lift, to lift you, to lift your, your soul, to give real rest. And it's not a transaction, it's a gift. Um, and I saw, I was in Williamsburg walking with my wife um, two or three weeks ago, and they had an ox there. And they were walking the ox around, and the ox has a yoke on its neck. And it's this big, uh, first of all, an ox is massive. The yoke is this big, heavy thing, and they use it to control the ox, to make it go where they want it to go. And, and, uh, and often they will be paired with another animal that's like a, a stronger or more experienced animal. And the stronger or more experienced animal will lead the other one around. But it kind of pulls them and, and all that sort of thing. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he's saying, hey, I, you're not, I'm not putting a heavy, cumbersome thing on you. When you think about um, his, the yoke that Jesus offers, it's like offering a drowning man a life preserver. 
It's not something heavy and burdensome. He's saying, no, no, this is like, this will help you. Uh, and, and it lifts you the same way helium lifts a balloon. Last point. Jesus' gentle and lowly heart is never exhausted. As a parent, when I tell my kids to take out the trash for the thousandth time, I'm tired of it. My patience wears thin. I, I, I can't keep going. I get mad. Jesus does not. His heart is never exhausted. Consider this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We talk about Jesus' mercies being new every morning. They are. They do not and never will run out. So as we celebrate Christmas here together in a few days, when you're with your family, wherever you're going to be, understand that this, this God who sent His Son, this baby, came to meet sinners, to welcome them in, and then to give them life with Him the way we were created to live it. I'm going to pray, uh, and then I have a, a, a couple quick announcements, and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and what a gift it is to celebrate you. And thank you for the way that you responded to this woman and that you respond to each of us the same way. Thank you that you're gentle and lowly in heart, that you love us, you welcome us, and that you want to minister to us in our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we are going to be virtual for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you can look for announcements on the webpage. Uh, but uh, have a great day and Merry Christmas.